Welcome to Lainey Loves to Talk, where I chat about the shit that goes on in my journey as a digital entrepreneur. Welcome back to another episode of Lainey Loves to Talk. I'm your host, Lainey Love, and today we're talking deep work, deep shit. I can see that this podcast is slowly becoming book club, (laughs) but I think it's really important as a solopreneur, somebody who is constantly trying to better themselves and just be a richer, fuller person in general. I think reading is super important. And I've said that in the past. I have the tendency to read a full gamut of books every week. I try to get in about three books a week. I'm a fast reader. I'm also into audiobooks. That's kind of new. That's something I picked up in 2021. And that helps me be super efficient as well because I can listen to audiobooks and do other tasks at the same time. So today's topic is about a book that I read this week that really grated my nerves, but has been getting a lot of hype amongst the productivity set as being a really excellent source of how to sort your life out. I have read so many productivity books. Part of it was for my master's in management, others just for pure fun. And I've got to say that I was super disappointed with this book because of the messaging. There was something that just really irked me. So I wanted to share that. Deep Work was written by Cal Newport, who I guess is somebody in the States who's a productivity guru. He wrote another book called Be So Good That They Can't Ignore You in like 2012, and that had a great reception. I never read it because that's just, to me, when I read that title, I'm just thinking, just be black. (laughs) Totally not okay. I'm sorry, but you know, that's just, sometimes my brain does go there. Anyhow, uh... Cal Newport wrote this other book called Deep Work. When I was going through it, it really wasn't saying anything new. You know, the typical, a lot, large chunks of time where you can focus only on one task, cut out all social media because it's super distracting, blah, blah, blah. And he also gave examples of other really successful people who do the same thing. So like Bill Gates gets to take a week off every year where he completely isolates himself to just focus on coming up with new and innovative stuff. Already a problem for me when as a writer, you are citing billionaires or using billionaires as examples of people who are extremely successful because we all know billionaires don't work to get their billions. That's a topic for another podcast in itself. But when your book is just full of name dropping and like pulling references that you know you have to get permission for. So that means he's just trying to get on the radar of very successful people by name dropping them in the book. As somebody who's worked in publishing in the past, if you want to get your book noticed, name drop people and then ask permission if you can use their name and then that forces them to read your book and you get the cycle. Anyways, back to Mr. Newport's perspective on deep work. 
you know, he was talking really from like an academic standpoint of somebody who was trying to get tenureship at a university. He gave examples of men who were on the fast track of getting tenure at a particular Ivy League university. And he was saying, you know, they achieved that by completely isolating themselves and just getting the work done. Then he gives an example of himself trying to attain, I believe it's tenure or just professorship at some school. And you know, he even mentioned, yeah, this is at the start of my career or when I was, you know, starting to expand my family, etc. I developed this concept of deep work and it helped me be a better professor. I articled more, blah, 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 blah. I kept thinking, like, who's raising your kids, Cal? I kept asking this question, who was raising your kids? Who's taking care of your domestic duties, Cal? Who's cleaning your house, cooking the meals, taking your family to softball practice? Because if you're out here deep working your life to get those 15 articles done a year, who's taking care of the other stuff for you? This seems to be a big issue with all of these productivity gurus who are male. Their solution seems to be very much from a point of privilege. These are people who have the time to disassociate from their families, to travel around and to preach and pretend and blah, 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 like just talk at an issue rather than necessarily getting it done. Deep work is a sign of deep privilege. And I know this because I'm coming from a position of privilege. I don't have any dependencies. I don't have any bums to wipe, old or young. I am in a very good position where I can focus on all of the things that I want to do. I can focus only on the things that I want to do and not have to answer to anyone else other than the occasional client, but primarily to myself. Deep work is the ability to unequivocally focus on a task for a long duration of time. And that's an absolute privilege. This is very difficult for the single mom to do or the single dad to do. It is very difficult for the person who's holding two jobs in order to stay afloat. This is very much from a position of privilege and can really only be practiced by people who don't have any kids, don't have much of a family, um, maybe a bit of work and friends. Like I get it that scientifically, when you carve out chunks of time, you could reach a state of focus that allows you to focus on your masterpiece because we all have a masterpiece within us. We don't. I just find that when academics are writing their books and stating things as being facts, it's actually not rooted in reality. The university environment is a particular place. Yes, it's a hub for, well, it's supposed to be a hub for innovation and curation and manifestation of excellent ideas and have breakthroughs, etc. But this is a privilege that is afforded to very few people. Not everybody gets the chance to just be a student full-time and focus solely on their classes and achieving high-level degrees and all of that stuff. I keep saying and, but you get what I mean. So when an academic who is in this very already isolated world creates a book and talks about even deeper isolation, I I'm not listening anymore. Because in theory, this book should work. These techniques should work. Practicality in reality, it does not. 
Also, the trouble with academics is that it's usually some man giving really poor advice, sourcing outdated texts written by other problematic men who wrote uninformed journals from skewed and often racist perspectives. And the people who seem to really enjoy this book is because it gives justification for you to drop out in the name of deep work. Drop out of society, drop out of life in the name of deep work. Here's the thing. I grew up for some period of my life with a deep work academic parent. And this parent always used to declare that nothing could come between him and his work. That nothing meant even family and responsibilities and taking care of a small child. So as somebody who grew up on the other side of living with somebody who practiced deep work, I call hogwash. If you want to find out how good a deep work practitioner is in life, talk to their partner. Talk to their partner and see what it is that they actually do versus what they don't do. If they have a family, who's taking care of those people? Who's taking care of the academic's family? No mention of his partner and how they coped with the new rigorous schedule that Cal would be adopting. Like I knew somebody who was getting their doctorate in poetry. So there's like no money in poetry and it takes a lot of brain work. So you do need a lot of time to practice your deep work. But of course that person was not paired up with someone else getting a doctorate in poetry. No, they were paired up with one of the best clinical psychologists in the country and raising a family that way. He was only able to complete his deep work because he had someone else covering the costs. There isn't anything wrong with this type of relationship set up. But if you're writing this kind of book, address it. Acknowledge that you will need someone to help carry the load if you're practicing deep work in a relationship. You can always find examples of people saying, yeah, I do it all alone. And I created this book, I created this company from, you know, focus and concentration and all of that stuff. But they, they rarely mention the people that supported them other than the thank you or a, as a, an addendum in their books of, oh, you know, I'd like to thank my partner name X. That partner made it so that you were able to accomplish that deep work. Because deep work, you can either do it when you're completely single and on your own, or it's very difficult to do it when you have responsibilities like life families. Like if Cal's messages cut out social media, you know what, Cal, you need to do better. Newport, do better. Telling me to just cut out social media is not just doing better. What are, where are your solutions? You're an academic. Where are your solid solutions? This book was an absolute waste of time because it was still very male in its perspective. I think one of my biggest pet peeves is so many of these people who are in this productivity space are men and men who are very out of touch and who aren't actually capable of doing anything other than talking really loudly and telling you to start a website may or may not be talking to you, Gary Vee, whatever. For many of us, we would love the time to focus on something, just to be able to focus solely on one task at a time. But 
responsibilities get in the way. And if you don't do it, they still have to get done. So either have a whole heap of money in order to pay people to do all those side things for you so that you could focus deeply on the work at hand, or you're just going to have to be more realistic with how you can break up your time throughout the course of a week. I think one of my favorite productivity books that has ever been written, and it gave out solid techniques on how to achieve productivity without it disrupting your entire life, was 168 Hours. That was written by Laura Vanderkam. Even Cal Newport references her techniques, but within like only three lines of his entire book. But her book was actually phenomenal. I thoroughly enjoyed the read because it was about analyzing your entire life. In Laura Vanderkam's book, she recommends looking at your entire week for like two weeks. Write down for two weeks how you spend every hour of your day, with the exception of while you're sleeping. But when you are awake, note exactly what you're doing for that hour. Is it, I'm watching TV for an hour, I'm commuting to work for an hour, I am reading an article for two hours, like I'm cooking for my family for the next three hours. Analyze every aspect of your day. And after two weeks, you can then analyze because you're collecting your own data. You are able to see exactly where your free time is, where your time was wasted, where your time was actually used towards the things that you love to do your hobbies and habits. It is an excellent way to sort of collect your own data and work with that data and optimize it. So after the two weeks of analysis and looking over the schedule that should be truly complete, at the end of the week, you tabulate, I'm spending seven hours watching TV a week, or I'm spending 10 hours commuting a week. What she recommends is that you think of a goal that you want to achieve, like writing a book, for example. How many hours does it take to write a book? Is it around 2,000 or like 5,000 hours? Okay, so if it's going to take you 5,000 hours, give yourself a time frame as to when you'd like to finish that book. Is it in one year or is it in two years? So then you divide 5,000 hours over two years or... 104 weeks and that is the amount of time that you would need to spend per week to write this actual book and where can you slot that in your schedule maybe you'll have to reevaluate your time because 48 hours a week is too much to devote to just writing a book this is far more reasonable when you break down the tasks that you need to do into smaller compartments rather than drastic i need to take a three-day retreat in the woods of omaha with the bears and do nothing but just think about what I have to do. Laura Vanderkam's method of productivity is far more reasonable because it lets you look at your life and say, okay, I am not working 100% of the time. I'm also not with my family 100% of the time, nor am I with my kids all the time. I do have free time here and there that I can use more effectively. And that to me is a better form of productivity than what Mr. Cal Newport is recommending. From reading Cal's book, 
when people are hyper focusing like this for four hours a day for whatever duration of time that they're doing it for this leads to burnout essentially and as somebody who has had experience with burnout don't do it doing the little bit every single day towards the dream and the goal that's what you're supposed to do the 10 hours a week, but break it up over the course of the week turns out to be two hours a day, an hour and a half a day, if you want to include weekends, you'll, you'll get it all done. But these productivity books, a lot of them are just not reasonable. And so yeah, this book really rubbed me the wrong way, because it was coming from a point of privilege and almost like an unrealistic view on how you can reach an optimal place with productivity. As somebody who has achieved a lot of work, a lot of really great milestones in their career, I think the biggest productivity booster is discipline. We are in an age where regular folks are getting a grasp on how to track their own data. Bullet journals, habit trackers, schedules, and they're doing it with style. Just Google like iPad planners or Hobonichi planners. And these kids are consistent and making amazing work because of discipline. This book read as something's completely out of touch because so many of these men who are claiming to be super productive and guru-esque in the things that they do actually are the most incompetent leaders. You can practice deep work, but if you're in a partnership and practicing deep work, then you better make sure that your social life and your life is in sync with your partner's schedule. That's the only way things will work because you're going to make a lot of people miserable if you're in a relationship with them and you're in avoidant attachment style, which this book just reeked of. I really recommend that you just stay single to practice your deep work. So that's just my humble opinion. I do not recommend Cal Newport's deep work. It's a dud. Read Lara Vanderkam's book, 168 Hours Instead. Fabulous. If you want to jumpstart your productivity practice. So that's it for this episode of Lainey Loves to Talk. I am your host, Lainey Love, and it has been an absolute pleasure don't forget to check out my daily vlogs on the YouTubes and come back next week. There'll be lots to chat about. All right. Bye. If you like what you've heard today on Lainey Loves to Talk, check out lovelanylove.com for more content.